Welcome to Outside In, an interview series brought to you in collaboration with First Windows and Doors. I'm Alice Lyons, editor of Homestyle magazine, and today I'm speaking with Tom Bowden. We're here to find out more about his batch in Northland, designed by architect Belinda George. So, Tom, the farm here has been in your family for generations. Can you tell us a bit about the provenance of the site? Sure. Um, my father bought it in the 1960s, and uh, it had been uh, somewhat uh, run down for a long time. And uh, he bought it from a, an American who went around the world buying up pieces of land for golf courses. And some turned into golf courses and others never quite made it. So this was one that never quite made it. And he sold it uh, during a, um, a devaluation of the New Zealand dollar in the 1960s. And it was, so it was a very quick decision made. Um, my father and family tried to farm it for about um, 30 years, but it's really too small to farm economically. Uh, and the land's quite poor and steep. And so um, after various attempts at farming sheep, deer, cattle, um, we eventually um, shifted our focus onto growing native plants mm-hmm. and uh, set up a plant nursery on the farm, which paid the farm rates for the last 20 years. And have uh, gone further than that and are now starting to revegetate it uh, with the hope of getting uh, away from farming entirely. But the problem we really strike is that in the, whereas in the 1960s we were chopping down manuka and planting kaikuyu, now we are planting manuka and desperately trying to get rid of the kaikuyu, which is, smothers anything it yeah. can. <laughs> So that's, that's the yeah. sort of background. <laughs> yeah. And so it really spans the coast there of the Tutakaka towards Matapuri. It goes for about three kilometres yeah. uh, and it's uh, uh, straight opposite the Poor Knights uh, Islands and it's got a headland called Tarafota, which in, uh, I understand in Māori means uh, Green Hill. Mm. It's been called that for a long time. Yeah. So you've obviously mm. spent a bit of time here over the years. You know, When did you decide to build a place of your own? The decision was made a long time ago. Like many things, the execution of it was uh, very the difficult part. It's actually taken about 30 years to get around to building. Um, we uh, had to do a subdivision and to, to do it, and uh, what we ultimately decided on was to subdivide, leaving 92% of the land in QE2, Queen Elizabeth II uh, covenanted land and bush, mm-hmm. what's called a whole of property covenant, and the other 8% uh, to turn into house sites for the six siblings, uh, of which I'm the eldest. And, um, you know, how did you decide on this sort of piece of land specifically in the farm? You know, what was your, what drew you to it? Well, um, it was really a bit of a lottery, literally. When we did the subdivision, we were told that most, by the council, who who became quite opinionated about what to do, um, that most of the, the... building sites should all be clustered on the other side of the farm. And I just asked the question, well, if I didn't really want to be in amongst all the, all of the, uh, you know... All the other buildings. The subdivision, <laughs> um, what, what would be the chances? And uh, they weren't terribly impressed. You know, they wanted everything clustered. They did say, conditionally, you can do it. And there are a lot of constraints. So that building is actually built on a fairly narrow, oblong piece of land just on the margin of the uh, QE2 bush. So it's really quite coastal there. You've managed to get a spot that is right along the... Yes, yes, you look over the, over the um, bank and it's, it's not quite a cliff top, but it's a very steep uh, bank down to a little uh, pebbly bay below. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
Yes, so you most certainly hear the sea at night, especially when the uh, waves are running. Yeah. (laughs) And what were your sort of ambitions for the site? I wanted to build the nicest thing that I could and um, something that fitted in and was just relaxing in the nice place uh, to be. Yeah. So um, that's it really. It was a bit of an open brief at that stage. Uh, And you worked with architect Belinda George on the design? Yes, I had an original design done, but... It was a bit limited, and um, Belinda, who's a friend and I worked with for years in Auckland, came by to do some work on my house here in Parnell, and uh, I said, oh, look, when you've got a moment, just have a look at this. And she took it away and came back a few days later, and about after about three iterations, literally on the back of an envelope, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, she came back with a design, uh, with this uh, semicircular design. But at the, at the heart of the design really was... Um, a plan to have it in a sort of marae style. Yeah. Uh, the idea was to yeah. have a, a almost a marae where you had the uh, living area and in, in one end and uh, then the bedrooms and bathrooms in the other. And so mm. that's what we've done. The house is um, ge- geometrically exactly a semicircle. Yes. And uh, half of that is uh, the uh, living area and uh, living room and kitchen and then the other half uh the bedrooms uh, joined by a, uh, a covered uh, patio. Yeah, neat. And so the semicircle, that's quite an ambitious uh, <laughs> aesthetic for a building. <laughs> what, what, how did that come about? Uh, well, um, Belinda did uh, her first diagram. Uh, it looked a bit like it had a diving board going over the cliff. <laughs> and so, um, and, and I said to her at that point, uh, look, you know, the thing about the site for me is that when I was a kid, we used to come here and uh, on really, really wet days and toboggan on these sleds, that we wooden sleds we made in the wool shed, yeah. and we'd come screaming down the hill into this lovely little semicircle above this piece of bush, which is also circular. Nice. So this sort of idea of a you know, hard-edged, uh, boomerang-shaped design, which was still the same concept with the two components, um, just feels a bit at odds. And so she went, aha, Give me a few days. Yes. And then, then came the, the semicircular design. Yeah. And uh, she said, but it's going to be expensive. It's going to take forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we kind of went from there. The caveat for good architecture. <laughs> <laughs> the, so yeah. this division, you know, of the two wings for living and sleeping, mm. it sort of also mm. feels, I don't know, reminiscent of like a tramping hush or, a, you know, was that was any either part of the aesthetic? Well, uh, yeah, because in the original design, the problem was that uh, the corridor either went across the front of the view of the bedrooms or, or was a, a sort of a spidery kind of dark corridor behind was getting in the way. Yeah. And so the idea really was to take it out altogether. Mm. So you had to walk across the, the veranda. Uh, of course, there's a I get the ensuite bathroom at the far end and the bedroom, but um, visitors um, do have to walk out at night. But the place is principally designed as a summer house. Yeah. So... Um, and, you know, potentially in the future you, you could cover in, cover in the front. But there's something about that connection to nature through all seasons that's quite... Mm. Well, that's right. You can actually sit there now and he, in bed and hear Kiwi, male and female, calling each other yeah, uh, right. from across the drive. Yeah. And uh, the other night I walked down the drive and really late at night in the moonlight and I heard uh, Kiwi scuttling into the bush <laughs> nice. as I walked past. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 
And so what sort of environmental specific considerations were made because it is sort of, you know, it's really that coastal area there? Well, there were quite strict stipulations about, you know, colours of building and so on, but that, that just didn't pose a problem at all because that's what I would have done anyway. Um, the, the exact positioning was... Um, stipulated by the distance from the high water mark of mm-hmm. the subdivision and also from the bush line because of QE2 requirements. Um, but apart from that, not too much. It, it is um, uh, completely off the grid. Yeah. That happened really by chance because the neighbour up the hill who's a really lovely woman, but she went to her lawyer for advice on everything, included um, don't put a easement across your land because it might lower the value. And she's, oh. she's fully 200 metres away, and, and the other option was two kilometres away. Right. So at that moment, um, the decision to go solar was instantaneous. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> but no, no problem. You know, we still get on just fine. She's lovely. But it, you know, the, uh, the initial scenario was a... 200 metre uh, cable down the hill from her, how, across her lawn. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so having that yeah. sort of self-contained works quite well there. Well, it does in the uh, summer mm. when you've got lots of solar, and it's mm. a really great system. I, I think it's uh, really good. In the winter, it's a little more challenging, and you. Um, what we found last winter was that you could not use uh, devices that drew heat, like um, hair curlers, hair straighteners, uh, electric blankets, irons, anything like that. But just in the normal course of use, uh, things like toasters and kettles and stereos, um, computer, everything's fine. But yeah, yeah, in the middle of winter, um, when the demand is greatest and the ability to replenish the power uh, through lack of sunlight, is, is you've got to keep an eye on it, I think. Well, it does sort of feel like that kind of environment where getting back to basics is kind of key to the... Yeah, it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been a problem at all. And so with that sustainability being kind of a key consideration, what sort of other attributes does the building have? Uh, well, it's very um, very warm. Um, so I think the with a, with a big concrete pad and the um, really good windows and double glazing on it, it keeps... Um, the temperature. So even in the winter, you, you walk across the veranda, um, rubbing your hands together, and uh, open the door, and it's uh, quite a nice, you know, warm temperature. So yeah. you don't have to, um, even right, you know, in July or August. Yes, yeah, so having all that sort of joinery from first windows and doors, I guess, really does open and close that, well, specifically the large living area up to yeah. allow for them. Well, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, having batches and, uh, you know, with the old ranch, single ranch sliders, and it's very, very different, you know. Uh, you, you know, you'd have to have curtains. This place has got no curtains, for instance, yeah. in the living area. Uh, you know, partly to, um, so you can just look out the windows and um, for e- ease, but uh, also because uh, it's so well insulated. Mm, yeah. mm. And having those, mm. like, Metro Series over-the-wall sliders it really does bring that connection to the outdoor living spaces as well, which is quite lovely. Oh, it's great. I had a party on New Year's Day last year for 120 people, and um, you just able to slide them open. So the whole living area had um, the window windows opened right out both ends, and that was an important consideration. Yeah. Uh, when we were designing, I said to Belinda, I'd really like to be able to not you know, have any windows limiting you at either end and mm-hmm. so yeah you can open it right out yeah. so it becomes like a open-ended tent almost yes well that yeah. sort of an open kitchen with the pizza <laughs> oven and things I guess yeah. that's a real you know evening spot too uh well it will be we haven't quite mastered that because oh. um, <laughs> uh, most of the time being spent up there's been over Chris over summer and 
therefore you're at the other end of the house yes, looking out, out to, the to view. sea yeah. and uh, where it's very, very pleasant. Mm. But, but yeah, the, the plan's always been to do something in that middle area. But, mm. um, uh, yeah, that's all... Hasn't happened yet too much. But it's sort of yeah. nice to have that flexibility, I think, in a batch where you don't have to have the constraint of a site-specific, you know, you can oh, furniture right. moves, you can take it wherever the sun yeah. is, wherever the wind isn't. Well, that's right. We've got outdoor furniture. You can just sort of pick up and lift yeah. around the other side of the building, and we do frequently have breakfast on one side of the house and, you know, um, hang out and have a drink and dinner on the other side. Yeah. yeah. And um, the material palette, was that um, what and sort of inspired, you know, the colours and the materials inside? I love that rich warmth you've got there. To be really frank, uh, Belinda um, has been very good at driving all these decisions and she typically would arrive with three choices and then uh, I, I might have a view and then she'd tell me which was the right one. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but, uh, it's, been a, it's just great to work with. And, yeah. Uh, uh, she really wanted to get the colours, you know, the colours of the dark green of the Putakawa and um, the lighter greens and a bit of blue. Mm. And, and the bench tops were um, quite um, amazing. The only time I saw them, they were in a dusty uh, row in a factory in Avondale. And yeah. I think I had a very busy week and I just went, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, anyway, they, they turned up beautiful-looking benches. People yes. ask whether they're green stone or, or marble. And in fact, they're, they're some sort of granite, but they're green and, yeah. and very nice. Well, yeah. it relates so well to that palette outside yeah, yeah. and that's nice how it sort of continues on you know those rich rusty hues and things that, and also the blues mm. in the bathrooms yeah yeah no and a very good the local um, tiling expert um, did a really good job and um, we had a very good builder so the partnership between um, the builder and architect was very important but um, who was your builder a guy called Pete Brown yeah who's built a lot of very good houses up on that coast um, and he knows all the all the right trades people mm. um but, yeah, I, I guess I, I talk to people sometimes and they're saying, oh, you know, I've spent there all day up at the building site talking to the builder and the architect. And I think to myself, well, I probably spent a total of three hours throughout the whole build. Yeah. Well, fantastic <laughs> yeah. to be working with people that you can trust. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and it was a very trusting relationship. Yeah. But the key to that, I think, was the, um, the, the clever design that came up for a start and then everything just sort of fitted in. If you'd been um, unhappy or felt that the design wasn't quite right, it might have been a different story. Yeah, because mm. there, there would have had to be quite a few bespoke site-specific solutions, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, but there again, Belinda would either make a call or just say, that, look, I think this is the right one, or would um, you know, get my views, but um, it, it all sailed along pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. neat. And there were no, there were no hold-ups, no reworks. No, I, don't, I can't think of one thing on the whole building project that had to be redone. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah. a testament of a true craftsman isn't it especially when you're working mm. with that curve it's a beautiful line you yes. get inside the living spaces there well the um, the maths uh, required for the builders to um uh, to get that right was huge i mean you, you every i used to see pieces piece of uh, uh board you know off cuts with um you know <laughs> pen, four, four pencil four calculations <laughs> all over them you know where they're trying to work out what yeah. angle to cut things and because every every board on the veranda had to be cut uh to shape at an angle tapered, yeah, yeah. And now that the project is finished, what aspects are you most pleased with? Oh, just um, being able to get up there and enjoy it and have friends, uh, you know, uh, from years of business um, who I've worked with um, to say, hey, grab the keys, uh, go up for a week whenever it suits you. And, uh, you know, I've had four groups of friends this year go up for a week and yeah. uh, uh, and that's that's worked out really well. Mm, it's great. It's a beautiful bolt hole. <laughs> good to, good to um, share it. Yeah, 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 neat. And when you arrive from Auckland for a stay here, mm. what are the first things that you sort of notice or feel? 
Uh, well, there's a very uh, familiar um, smell when you open that living room area, and it's a combination, I think, of the um, just the settled air and the high ceilings and and the uh, all of that cedar. Yeah, cedar's got a beautiful smell, and the bedrooms also got a lovely uh, smell. Yeah. And what are your favourite times of day when you're there? Um, well, the sunrises are amazing uh, over the Poor Nights Islands. Um, that's if you're an early bird. I am occasionally. Uh, that's, so that's really good. Um, a lot of the time up there, we're busy because there's things going on yes. around the farm. Yeah. We're all swimming. I don't know fishing. But we, we um, you know, go boating out to the Poor Nights, but, uh, which yeah. is a marine reserve. And uh, also there's things to do on the, on the uh, farm itself, mostly environmental work. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for joining us today. To find out more about the clever design of this building, head over to firstwindows.co.nz.